I'd like for you to take the word of God with me tonight, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 90, if you would, and also uh, to the New Testament book of James, James chapter 4. Psalm chapter 90, we'll begin our reading here this evening and spend some time in James as well. You can imagine that as a minister, as a pastor, much of my work and ministry is around death. In the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months, maybe the last few years, it seems to be one funeral after the next. Just the week before last, we were back in the States for my father-in-law's funeral. Tomorrow, I have two funerals to speak at, one of a baby and one of a 63-year-old man, woman. And I'm sure that before long, there'll be another funeral and another one. A few weeks ago, we remember grieving over the sudden death of four young men in a car accident. And it just seems to go on, doesn't it? The interesting thing is, when we consider death, the interesting thing is that, is that none of us know when our turn is. None of us know when our time is up. Psalm chapter 90, this is a prayer of Moses. It's considered to be one of, if not the oldest of the Psalms. Psalm chapter 90, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, 
that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. This chapter speaks much about life, about the brevity of life, about how quick it passes. It speaks volumes about how we should get a hold of the horns of life, as it were, and make the most of it. Some of my favorite verses, most challenging verses, are found in this one chapter. Verse number 9 says, All our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Would you look here for just a moment? Every one of us are writing a story with each day that we live. I don't know what has been written in your book. I may know some of it. I may know parts of it. But make no mistake about it. Your life is being recorded. And one day very soon, each one of us shall stand before the judge of all the earth. And the story of your life shall be opened up before God Almighty. And in your presence. And we will give an account for that story. James speaks of this. In the fourth chapter of his his book in the New Testament, he says in verse 13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I want to speak this evening to both the unconverted and the converted. If tonight you do not know that your sins have been washed away, and if tonight you have never met Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the message is very clear and very simple. You must be born again. You need to be saved. And to delay is very foolish. To put it off a little bit longer is very foolish indeed because we know not what a day may bring forth. To say to yourself, I'm going to enjoy this life a little bit longer and then later on when I'm a little older and when I'm closer to dying, then I will turn from my sins and then I'll get serious about God and perhaps then I'll become a Christian. To think this way is the height of foolishness. Because your days are numbered. I was reading recently from my good friend, Mr. Frank Borum. And I may have shared some of these thoughts with some of you, but I'll share them again. He was on a coach taking a journey. 
And a gentleman, well-dressed gentleman, sit opposite him on the journey. And he began in his mind to suss up this man and try to figure out what was this gentleman's occupation. Have you ever done that before? Looking at the way someone's dressed and trying to figure out what they do for a living. Oh, he guessed that this man, by the way that he was dressed, must be a minister or perhaps some, some statesman. He got the nerve to ask the man what he did for a living, and he was wrong altogether. He found out that the man was an actor. Got into a conversation about the acting business. And the actor said this, in the world of acting, there are really four realms. There's the backdrop. There's the two wings on the side. And then there is the fourth realm, that which is on the other side of the footlights, the audience. He said, but the problem is that most actors, really all actors, are never able to connect with the audience because they can't see them. The lights are so bright on the stage, shining into their eyes or perhaps above shining down. So they're never even able to see how many people are watching and they're not able to make eye contact to see the expression of the listeners to see if they're following along or if they're bored out of their mind. They're just not able to make that contact. The actor went on to say this, that as an actor, he's got to be very careful that he never forgets that although he cannot see it, there are a multitude, there is a multitude of people watching. Mr. Bourne began to make the connection of this little life on earth. Of how very often we forget that people are watching. And the reality is not when a man stands on the pulpit and preaches a sermon or stands before a Sunday school class and gives a Sunday school lesson. That's not reality because anybody can get up and pretend. There are charlatans that do it every week. There are wolves in sheep's clothing that do it every week. They get up and they're well-groomed and well-dressed and they're a bunch of, nothing more than a bunch of hypocrites. It's not real. So the reality is not when a congregation is looking at you and you're looking at a congregation. Reality is not even when I sit down and have a one-on-one with somebody. That's not even reality. Because I can fool you on a, in a one-on-one conversation. Reality is when you don't know that somebody's watching you. That's reality. The way that you're acting and the way that you're speaking and the way that you're reacting when you don't realize that people are watching you. And this is precisely, I believe, what Moses is getting at when he says, we are spending our years as a tale that is told and many of us don't even realize it. Many of us are so preoccupied with self and so preoccupied with our dreams and our agendas that we don't even realize that there is a a great congregation that's watching our every move. And James hits the nail on the head, you could say. And he says, our life is a vapor. You have such a short time to write a good story. You have such a little time to make something of this life that you have. Yesterday is gone. 
Today is almost gone. You'll never get it back. You will never be able to write this day again. It's finished nearly. And I don't even know if I've got tomorrow. And the sooner you and I can wake up to the reality that my life is fleeting, it is fleeing, running from me, quickly running, the sooner I can realize that I do not have much time left, that very soon there'll be a congregation gathered around my grave, looking on on my coffin, my casket, bidding farewell through tears running down their cheek. Very soon it'll be me. The roles will be reversed. I think of it every time I stand at the grave. One of the challenges for a minister is to not become calloused when they stand at grave after grave after grave. That's a challenge. But God helping me, I want to be reminded every time I stand at a grave, I want to be reminded that soon and very soon, there go I. Have you ever thought of that? What is your life? It is even a vapor. You know what a vapor is. It's like steam. I like a good cup of coffee in the morning. I prefer a real cup of coffee. But a vapor is that which rises off the top of that kettle or the top of your mug of coffee. It's there for a moment. You can even feel it. You can feel the heat of it. You can feel the, the condensation of it. But before you can blink your eye, it's gone. And James says your life is like that vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Can I just say to you this evening that if you are not yet saved, you might be wondering what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? One of life's greatest questions, why am I here? But the Bible gives the answers to those questions. And the answer to that question is found throughout the pages of Scripture. I believe it's found very clearly written for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. When, the song of, when Solomon himself writes and says that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. The whole reason that we're on this earth is to know God and to obey God. Now where we go wrong is we spend our days trying to get to know everybody else trying to get to know ourselves to the exclusion of him. We spend our days trying to make everybody else happy rather than trying to make him happy. And therefore, we miss out on the real meaning of life. We miss out on finding our purpose because we're preoccupied. We're so caught up with fearing other people and trying to please other people. Do you know him tonight? If you do not know your God, your creator God, then you do not know what it is to live yet. You don't. You've never begun to live. In fact, the Bible says you're still, you're dead in your own trespasses and sins. You've never started living yet. You don't even realize it. You think 
Sometimes you think you're living the dream and you think you're living the life, traveling here, traveling there and enjoying this and doing that, but you've never begun to live. You're still dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And if you're not careful, you'll breathe your final earthly breath and enter into an eternity of death. I wonder today, do you know him? You were not born on this earth by accident. You're not an accident. There's a reason you're here. That's to know God. That is to walk in his ways. But the trouble is you have a very short time to figure that out. You do not have a long time. You do not have the time to say, well, I'm going to enjoy myself first and then I will. I'm going to go get married first and, and I'm not going to get too serious because I want to, I want to enjoy something for me. You don't have time to be preoccupied with the enjoyment of yourself. Now, I'm not saying you're not allowed to get married and I'm not saying you're not, I'm obviously, I'm married. I'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy life. I'm not saying that at all. But when joy or chasing after the pleasures of this world becomes your goal and reason for living, then you will be kept from your real purpose on earth. And you have such a little time to get that figured out. 63 years old, dear lady, a lovely Christian woman passed away she passed suddenly in a heart attack immediately I remember visiting her seven years ago in the hospital never met her before somebody rang me up and said this lady's very ill she doesn't have much longer to go would you go and visit the family and I showed up at the hospital in London to visit this family to visit this woman and uh, she was in a coma for about 15 days and almost every day I went to sit by her side Never met her before. She wasn't even conscious. She was in a coma. To pray with her and read scriptures there. And every day I'd meet a different member of her family. After 15 days, her eyes opened. She quickly recovered and was released from hospital and lived the last seven years with a little bit of a machine that she carried around with her. Nobody ever thought she'd walk away out of that hospital. God gave her, you could say, an extra seven years. And do you know that every once in a while she'd ring me up? Sometimes I'd bump into her at a, at a wedding or at another funeral. She'd ring me up. One time she rang me up and she said, Pastor, I've just been looking at your face on the television. I think that meant she was watching the live stream. And she was the most joyful person on the planet because she knew that God had given her a little more time. But do you know that none of us are guaranteed that? The Bible says your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time. She told me, I want all of my children. I want nothing more than all of my children to know my Savior. One of her boys is in prison, still in prison now. One of Another one of her sons was in prison when she was in hospital. And as soon as he got out, he came and visited the church. I don't, Tommy probably remembers there he came with his wife and his children and uh, made a profession of faith. Her entire life was consumed with her children being saved, being born again, because she realized that time was ticking. She gave whatever time she had left. She did her best to live for the glory of God. But can I tell you, you don't have time to wait until you're told that you're dying. 
You're running out of time now. And if you've never been saved, if you haven't yet come to the Savior and you're hesitating and you're you're holding back and you know that Jesus is the Messiah and that you are a sinner and you know what you deserve, then I'm telling you, come to Christ now, today. Because it might be I get a telephone call tomorrow that says you won't believe it, but they're no longer here. Such a one has passed. I had a telephone call a few weeks ago about this dear lady, and I couldn't believe it. Her niece rang me and said, she's gone. I said, what do you mean? Who's gone? Nene, Aunt Nene's gone. Couldn't believe it. Just like that. My own brother, you've heard me speak of, of him many times, 32 years old, gone. And there are countless others. A little infant. Tomorrow morning, I'll stand at a tiny little grave, no bigger than one of these squares, for an infant. An infant. We think we've got many years ahead of us. We know not what a day may bring forth. When you begin to realize that you're running out of time, then there'll be a certain urgency that stirs inside of your belly. When you begin to realize that you are losing time and you're and you'll never get it back again, you'll begin to live with a little bit more excitement, a little bit more push. You will not be able to sit back and relax. You'll not be able to just take it easy. Because your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time. Somebody once gave the illustration, you've heard it before, but when you look at a tombstone, I've seen many. There are many interesting things on it, but there's really only one thing on a tombstone, a headstone, that describes the life of a person. It isn't their name. It isn't the birth date or the death date. It isn't the subscription. No, no, no. What The only thing that describes their life is that little dash that is found between the birth date and the death date. And that little dash represents everything in between the day they were born and the day they died. That little dash That little insignificant line is all that represents their story. Now, can I ask you this evening? What does your little dash say today? What is it saying now? The sad thing is, look here, the sad thing is we spend, most of us spend all of our days only thinking about this life. Moses just wrote and said, look, the, the, the average age of man is three score years and 10 at 70 years. Let's have a little survey. How many of you have already reached 70? Would you raise your hand? A few folks in here. That's the average age of a man. And if by reason of strength, they reach 80, four score. If just perhaps you go beyond 70, which is the average age, he goes on and says something very interesting. That those days will be filled with labor and sorrow. And it is soon cut off. My father-in-law, just a few days before he hit 70, 69 years old when he died. This lady, 63. Little infant, days old. I don't know why we have it in our mind that we're going to live to be 100 years old someday. I don't know why we have it in our mind the certain amount of years that we're going to live. We don't have any idea 
how long we have left. We have no idea at all, but one thing is certain, we don't have much time, so stop thinking about this life and begin thinking about the next. Because even if you live to be a hundred years old, eternity is infinitely longer than your short little life here. And think how foolish it is that we put all of our energy and effort on this life. How absolutely foolish we are that all of our energy and effort is in preserving this life and being comfortable in this life. Oh, give me a more comfortable pillow and a more comfortable mattress and a nicer car. And, and a, boy, I want to be very careful because I want to live as long as I can. No, no, forget about it because eternity is where you're bound to live. Not this little life. God must be so sick when he looks at his children who are so preoccupied with this life to the neglect of that one, which is eternity. When's the last time you lived for eternity? When's the last time you thought about living for eternity? It would be far better for you to die young and live a full life for the glory of God than to live to be a hundred years old and do nothing for the glory of God. It would be far better for you. I hear people say silly things about men like David Brainerd who died at the age of 29. I hear people say uh, silly things about men like Robert Murray McShane who died at the age of 29. And they say about these men, if they'd have only taken care of themselves a little bit better, you know, if they'd only just uh, uh, been a little bit more uh, sensible, then they would have lived longer and had a, had, a, had a more impactful ministry. I say nonsense. The reason their life and ministry was so impactful, so influential, was because they gave everything they had those short years. They didn't preserve themselves to draw out their lives and linger themselves. No, they said, I'll give everything I have every single day if it kills me for the glory of God. Most of us live for the glory of self. We spend our years as a tale that is told. James says, your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now, I, I think, if I'm correct, I think just about everybody in here who professes to be a Christian believes that God is still on the throne. I think you believe that. I think it's part of being a Christian that we acknowledge that God is sovereign. I think it's part of it. Maybe I'm mistaken. And it goes a little further because the scriptures say very specifically that it is appointed unto man once to die. That it has already been appointed that you are going to die. And it's already been appointed when that will happen. You got an appointment. I hate appointments. Some of you know that. I don't, because an appointment tells me what I got to do, tells me where I've got to be. And I just don't like to be told, no, I'm just kidding. Appointments though, I, I don't really like them, but this is one appointment that you cannot change. I don't care how many vitamins you take. I don't care how many miles you run. I don't care if you put the Dead Sea mud on you. I don't care. That's one appointment that you cannot escape. It's already set. God has a calendar and on his calendar, there's a day 
when you will breathe your final breath and you will leave this world and enter into the next. You can't change that. So how silly do you look thinking you can't? How ridiculous we must look in the eyes of God thinking that we can prolong our life. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. Now to me, that, that is the thing that ought to, that ought to be in the back of your mind every day. Are you listening? It ought to be in the back of your mind every day that soon and very soon I'm going to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Soon and very soon I'll meet my maker. I love that. Every once in a while, I grow, uh, go, going to Bible college in Tennessee, every once in a while I'd see a Bible verse in the front lawn, in the front garden of somebody's home. And, and sometimes one of the verses that I would see in Tennessee was this verse. There's a shape of a Bible, the outline of a Bible. And then the verse there across, and it said this, Prepare to meet thy God. Woo! First time I saw it, it gave me shivers up and down my spine. And I think that was exactly why it was put out there. What a thought. What a thought. And I'm afraid that many Christians are not prepared to meet their God. But that thought ought to ring in your heart and mind every day that you live. Somebody asked Daniel Webster one time, uh, this genius who put together the Webster's Dictionary. Somebody asked him, what was the greatest thought that's ever entered your mind? And he said, the greatest thought that ever entered my mind was my personal accountability to God. Think about that. One day I'll meet him. One day I'll stand before him. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We spend our years as a tale that is told, and after that the judgment. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And after that, the judgment. Are you ready for that? You're not getting away with anything. And what's worse is if you have received the grace of God, if you've been gloriously born again, you've been raised from spiritual death. God by His Spirit breathed into you new life. What is worse if you've received the new life of Jesus Christ by His Spirit and His shed blood, and you do not live for Christ. That's a crying shame. Paul wrote about this in the book of Corinthians, and he spoke about how if we have been born again, chapter 5 and verse 15, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live, that means those who've been born again, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul said, look, if you have been awakened, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, you ought to be living for him. The one who called you out of the grave. So many of us are living for ourselves. I just want to challenge you tonight because life is very short. It's vanishing away. The vapor of your life is vanishing. As we speak, it is vanishing away. I just wonder how much time have we wasted? I don't want to depress you. 
I don't want you to leave this meeting depressed, but I do want you to leave this meeting thinking a little bit more seriously about your life and how brief it is and about the day when you'll meet your God. I don't want you to walk out of here defeated and depressed because you wasted so many years and you've done nothing with your little life and you've lived for yourself. No, I would rather you say, hold on a moment. I've been wasting my life. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'd rather you tonight say, hold on a moment. I'm not right with God. I'm not ready to meet God. I've never been born again. I've never been saved. I'd rather you tonight fall upon your knees and your face before God, Almighty God, and say unto him, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and be gloriously saved tonight. I'd rather you, before you left this tent, Christian, I'd rather you say, I'm done playing games. I'm, I'm done wasting time on social media. I'm done, I'm done wasting it all. I'm done living for myself. I want to live for eternity. Every great man and woman of God who was ever used by God had this same principle that guided them. They lived with eternity's values in view. They lived with eternity's value in view. We used to sing a song in Bible college. With eternity's value in view. Are you living that way? Thinking of eternity? Or are, you, or are you only living thinking of today and tomorrow and what you can get out of this life? If so, you're probably one miserable person. Because this world has not got anything to offer you. You're like that hamster on the wheel. Thinking you're getting somewhere and you're getting nowhere. May the Lord help us tonight. Time is running out. I think about it every time. Every time I stand over a grave. Every time. It's like a shock runs through me. And I'm reminded. Like a shiver runs up and down my spine. I'm reminded that very soon that will be me. Now that changes the way I live. It should. I can't sit around and do nothing. I cannot take it easy. Because I am mindful that soon and very soon my vapor will be gone. And so will yours. Let us do something while it is still day. Let us work while it is still day for the night cometh when no man can work. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. Thankful for life. For this physical life that we've been given. And so much more thankful for new life in Christ. For spiritual life. And I pray tonight, especially for those who are just living for this vapor. Not even thinking not even considering the reality of eternity. And I pray that before they walk out of this tent, before they switch off the live stream, I pray that thy spirit may convict them and show them that time is ticking, that days are being wasted, 
save souls and change those who are living just for today. Help us, we ask. Give us an urgency, Lord. Give us a soberness. We might do something with this life we've been given that would bring honor and glory to thy name. That when the tale of our life is opened and read before thy judgment seat, that it would be one that would bring glory to thy name. Help us, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake.